You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Year of Fulfillment, Part 2. Enjoy. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We worship you this morning. God, you are so faithful. Lord, you're the reason we've gathered this morning publicly. You're the reason that we're here. Because, God, you've loved us with a love that's beyond what we've imagined. And we receive every bit of it. We bathe in your love this morning. We're taking a a spa right now in the presence of our Father. And we thank you, Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is peace beyond our understanding. And we just take a, a, a bath in your peace this morning, Lord. We're just resting in your presence knowing you've got our back, you've got our side, you've gone before us, you're leading and guiding us. And we thank you, Father, for meeting every need of our lives. We thank you for providing for us richly all things to enjoy. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, living strong in us now. Thank you, Father, for the certainty and confidence of your calling. Thank you, Lord God, for the riches of our inheritance in you. Thank you, Father, for the surpassing greatness of the resurrection power that is in us now. And Holy Spirit, we uh, open our hearts to you and say, do what only you can do this morning. Let the light of Christ illuminate every part of us that we would see you as you are in Jesus' name. And we go forward and enjoy this year of fulfillment. And thank you for every promise fulfilled in our lives in 2017. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. So we've, we've removed our religious goggles, right? You didn't bring any with you guys. They're off. We put them in the circular file, right? They're in the trash. We're seeing God as he is in 2017. We're taking Jesus at his word. We said 2017 is a year of fulfillment. And we believe that there are things in people's hearts that that have been in there for a long time that are going to be fulfilled this year. Things that are going to be accomplished this year. How will they be accomplished? Through simple, childlike, easy faith in who he is and what he's already done for us. All right? And for those who are daring enough to believe it, I believe there's a flourishing in 2017, a prospering, Homes you did not build, provision you didn't work for, available and coming your way. Thank you for it, Lord. This is supernatural. If you look at God's supernatural provision for his people, they didn't work for it. They were slaves for hundreds of years. They put themselves in in bondage. God never wanted that for them. He delivered them from it. But he gave to them the wealth of the nations. Why? Because they're his kids. You might not believe this, but I will say it anyway. He wants to do the same for you. 
God wants to give you the wealth of the nations. Why? Because you're his kid. It's just that simple. You have preference with the Father because you've put your faith in Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So we're not trying harder in 2017. We're resting and rejoicing in what he's already done. All right? And we're repenting. Now, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you weren't here, if you didn't hear last week's message, you might not understand what I just said. What does repenting mean? It's a change of thought and a change of purpose, right? It's not punishing yourself. It's not falling on the ground and crying. It's simply shifting your thinking. It's replacing your thoughts with God's thoughts, right? Replacing fear with faith, right? Worry with peace. Putting the promises of God in your mind like Isaiah 26.3 in 2017. It says this, you will keep him. Good, we've got the fire on. Warm you up a little bit this morning. That's good. You will keep him in perfect peace. That's shalom, shalom, right? What does shalom mean? Wholeness, prosperity. That's what it means. You will keep him in perfect wholeness, perfect prosperity, whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he does everything right. No, because he trusts in you. That's all that God asks. Isn't that a wonderful? To simply trust in him in our daily lives. That doesn't mean that everything always seems to be going right. But we trust in him regardless of what our current circumstances might be like. And he keeps us in perfect wholeness and prosperity, he has a way of working things out and causing us to be victorious in the midst of a situation that just doesn't seem possible. He has a way of doing impossible things in our lives, and we're not going to limit him in 2017. We're thinking big. Thank you, Father. So we're changing our thoughts for God thought. Let this be a thought for you in 2017. As you're going through the day and you catch, you know, a worry pop in there. What about this? Oh, what about that? How's that going to happen? How's this going to work out? Catch that thing and replace it with this. Right? God, you're keeping me in perfect peace. You're causing me to prosper, Lord. I'm keeping my mind stayed on you. It's how we keep our mind on him. How do you keep your mind on a God you can't see? By putting his promises in your mind. It's that simple, right? You can't physically look at something like I'm looking at that camera, right? You put, your, put his promises in your mind. When you're meditating on the promises of God, you're keeping your mind on him. Okay? So as I keep this in my mind throughout each day this week, I'm keeping my mind on him. Him and his promises are the same. Right? His promises are who he is. And his promises reflect to us what he's done for us. Right? Hallelujah. So that's our thought. Right? That's our repenting. It's a change of thought. We're taking worry out of our mind and we're replacing it with his promises. We're removing fear from our minds and replacing it with his promises. And it's a change of purpose. His love for us has become our purpose in 2017. We have a new purpose for living now because he loves us. 
That's why we get up in the morning, because he loves us. 1 John 4.10 says this, in this is love. Not that we love God, not that we're doing everything right, but that he loved us. This is how you will be changed by love, not by trying to do everything right, but by focusing on his amazing love for you. In this is love, that he loved you, that he gave his son to be the propitiation, the full payment, paid in full for your sins, right? So as you, we, that's what we're doing in 2017. We're replacing wrong thoughts with his promises, and we're meditating on his love. That's now our purpose for living, because he loves us. That's why we get out of bed in the morning. That's why we scream for the patriots, right? Because God loves us. <laughs> That's why we, we go to work. That's why we're making plans for the future. Because he loves us. His love is, is molding and shaping every thought, every dream, every hope, every desire. Amen. That's what we're doing. We have childlike faith in 2017, right? If our Father says so, yes. it is so. Yes. It's just that simple. We've become like children, haven't we? And the kingdom of God belongs to us. Isn't that what Jesus said? It belongs to the children, to those who become like children. So the time is fulfilled, guys. Jesus did it. The time to walk with God in your daily life is here. The time for people who've been estranged from God to be reunited, reunited with him is here. The time to hear his voice in your daily life is here. The time to walk in the Spirit is here. The time to see His promises fulfilled in your life is here. Jesus said in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled. Hallelujah. It's time to live the God-designed life. God is the great architect, and He's designed an abundant life for you, and it's time to live it. It's time to live it. Hallelujah. So that's what we're talking about uh, on our, in our time on Sundays. And something happened uh, about 6,000 years ago. I don't know if you caught it on the news, but <laughs> man separated himself from God. And about 6,000 years ago, man chose to live on this earth separate from God. So we're talking about the time being fulfilled, but this morning, I, I want to uh, focus on what Christ has done for us, the finished work, and realize that that separation from God has been canceled, that anyone who's been separate from Him can be instantly reunited through simple faith in Christ. And we're going to focus on the finished work of Christ this morning, okay? So in order to do that, we're going to first look at this separation that uh, about 6,000 years ago, man separated himself from God, and it was never meant to be that way. And when man chose to believe uh, Satan's word rather than God's word, death entered the human race. A tragedy. And when death entered man's spirit, it entered his soul, it entered his body, and it entered the earth. And everything changed on planet Earth about 6,000 years ago. And that's when storms and tornadoes and hurricanes entered the Earth 
and earthquakes and tsunamis. That's when then sickness and disease entered the earth. That's when things that God created became perverted. Animals started eating each other. Poisonous things started to sprout up in the earth. Thorns started to grow. Do you know there weren't thorns in God's original design? That's why Jesus put thorns on his head, or they put thorns on his head. It was symbolic of the curse. God didn't design thorns to be in this earth. There are a lot of things in this earth that God didn't design. It happened when the curse of sin came upon the earth. The earth became perverted. And as beautiful as it is now, it falls way short of what God originally intended. Okay? So it's good to understand that. Now, how long has it been since God created Adam? Do you guys know? Well, it's pretty, we can know because the Bible tells us. It's pretty cool. The Bible gives us an accurate ge uh, genealogy. Is that the right word I'm looking for? You can go back and trace how many years Adam lived and all of the, the forefathers. You can actually trace it, and we can determine that Adam was created about 6,000 years ago. Pretty cool. Now, we don't know what happened prior to that, right, between Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and verse 3. We don't know that, but we do know that Adam was created about 6,000 years ago. So that was about 4,000 B.C., okay? When was the law introduced? So 4,000 B.C., Adam was created. We're talking about the time being fulfilled, the finished work of Christ. We're going back a little bit to get some history. So Adam's created in 4,000 B.C. When was the law given? 3,999 B.C.? No. The law wasn't given until about 1446 B.C. That's like 2,500 years after man was created. That's a long time, right? That's like 2,500 years man was living on earth without the law. So in 1446, the law was given, and Christ was born, we'll say, 1 AD, right? The end of BC. And he lived for about 30 or 33 years. And Christ fulfilled the law. So the law was really only around for about 1446 years. It's been about 2,000 years since Christ. So out of 6,000 years that man's been on earth, only about 1,446, well, you had 30 because Jesus technically was still operating under the law. So if you had 30, that's about 1,476 or so years. Man was under the law. That's less than 25% of the time we've been on earth. That's not a lot. I crunched the numbers like 24.65. <laughs> Why is that? God never intended us to live by law, but by love. God never desired a law relationship with us. He wanted a relationship that was built and motivated by love. You show me a marriage motivated by law, I'll show you a sad marriage. You show me a marriage motivated by love, I'll show you a real marriage. Right? Love is the way we were, we were meant to live and breathe love, okay? It's God's desire. But there was a reoccurring problem that God had to deal with. 
And it was man's arrogance, man's unbelief, man exalting other people's words above God's, man choosing to harden his heart. And boy, you look through the Old Testament, it just happened over and over and over again. It got really bad on the earth. So God had this reoccurring problem. It was man thinking that he knows better than God. And that's a problem because God created us, right? And boy, I, I know because I'm a human being that we can become arrogant because we might have some success in a particular area. And we think it's because of our own abilities, right? But if anyone has achieved anything, it is the ability and gifts that God deposited inside of them that enables them to do that. So God gets all the glory, right? He deserves all the glory, and it's his grace in all of our lives. That includes people who know him and people who don't that's given us the breath to breathe, the, the opportunities to apply our gifts, the, the finances to do what we need to do, or whatever it is, or the determination, the perseverance. So God gets all the glory, and Jesus said in John uh, chapter 15, I think it was, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So this was, a, was an issue that God tried to, uh, to reach his people repeatedly in the Old Testament, and they were so hard-hearted. And what religion ended up doing was putting all of the focus and the emphasis on law instead of love. So now religion has become this law thing instead of a love thing. But God hasn't changed. I mean, when man changed, when man separated himself from God and death entered the human race, the curse of sin fell upon the earth, the earth changed. God didn't change. He was still perfect love. He, he's always perfect love, always has been, always will be. He's perfectly pure. He's perfect light. So our nature changed when we separated ourselves from God. And I say us because we've all sinned, right? Now we're reunited with him, but I'm speaking prior to Christ. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And our nature was changed from love to selfishness. When you put your faith in Christ, it's changed back, right? You get a new nature. But it was changed from love to selfishness. So if we were to compare selfishness with paper and love with fire, paper can't come into the presence of fire. It'll burn up. In other words, our fellowship with God was cut and separated when, we, when, we, when we, our nature was changed. So man could no longer come into God's presence. Okay, that's a big problem because we weren't made to live separate from him. It's not because God didn't want man to come into his presence. It's because physically man's nature had now changed and selfishness can't come into the presence of holiness and survive because that's who God is, okay? So God is not this foreboding, don't come near me type of God. He's a perfect love, pure light kind of God and he knows that if selfishness comes in his presence, it's gonna die because he's fire and selfishness is paper. All right? So what he had to do was change our nature. He had to get us back to fire. Back to love again. Okay? The Holy Spirit is a fire, isn't he? 
right? God says, my word is like fire. Hallelujah. So what did God give to Moses on Mount Sinai? Do you guys remember? The law, right? The law, and that was about 1446 B.C., okay? About 14, almost 1,500 years before Jesus. So God gives Moses the law on Mount Sinai. Now, you know, the law also, if you read in Exodus, it also includes instructions for the tabernacle. How many people have ever seen uh, a picture or an or artist's rendering of the tabernacle in the Old Covenant? How many people have ever studied the tabernacle before? Okay. We're going to do that a little bit this morning just to give us an idea of the finished work of Christ, what he's done for us. All right? So understand this. Here's, here's a perfect loving God and here are selfish man, right? They can't, they can't come together and God's heart is longing to have fellowship with the man he created, but he can't. He's got to change man's nature. So he, he delivers them from bondage. He blesses them. And he, he, he calls Moses up on the mount with him. And he gives to Moses these instructions. Now, the law, we think of the Ten Commandments, right? But there's a lot more to it than that. But the Ten Commandments really reveal to us God's nature, right? He never lies. He never steals. He's never unfaithful. Right? It reveals to us who he is. And he, it, it, he attempts to spare us the agony of worshiping another God. Right? He says, I'm the only God there is. Let me save you some time. Develop a relationship with me. Right? There are no other gods. Worship me and me alone. Now, in this uh, time with God, and Moses was with God two separate times for 40 days, God gives him these instructions, I believe it was the first time, uh, for the tabernacle. Now, let me read to you Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Because we're going to look at the tabernacle, and we're going to see the tabernacle. When God gave Moses instructions for the tabernacle, he was revealing to man his plan for salvation. He was revealing to us what Christ would do for us. Okay? See, you, when you realize that what Jesus has already done for you, fear won't be able to stay in your life anymore. So in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Wherefore the law, 1446 B.C., right, was our schoolmaster. And boy, did they need a schoolmaster. They were a rebellious, stiff-necked, the word says. A stiff-necked people. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto... Christ, that we might be justified. That's what God wanted. He wanted to condemn them. He wanted to justify them. God wants to justify us. How? By faith. Verse 25. But after that faith has come, that's us now, right? We're no longer under a schoolmaster. I'm so glad to be done with school. Woo! I have dreams sometimes that I'm late for class. I don't know why. And then there's a paper due, and I haven't done it. And, I'm like, ah! and then I wake up, and I'm like, Phew. okay. <laughs> uh, God is good. Verse 25, so we're not under a schoolmaster anymore, for you are all children of God. How? Simple, easy, childlike faith in Christ, right? So when man changed, the earth changed. And God wanted to get us back into his presence. So let's put up a picture of the tabernacle. Can we do that? 
Okay, this is like an artist's rendering. I thought it's pretty good. Um, uh, so let's look. So we've got, basically, there are three sections to this. And you're going to see how relevant this is when we go into the ministry of Jesus in just a little bit here, okay? But you've got that outer wall. See that? And then you've got this open gate. There's only one way in, and it's on the east. You see the directions down there. It's called the east gate. Now show the picture where the tents are, are, are around there. So the Israelites would camp around the outside of this tabernacle, and God gave specific instructions as to what tribe was to camp on what side of the tabernacle. So the gate going into the tabernacle is on the east side. What tribe did God uh, instruct to camp on the east side of the tabernacle? Do you guys know? Judah. You know, what does Judah mean? Praise of God. It's praise that brings us into his tabernacle, right? Okay, so go back to that other picture. So you've got this outer wall, and what the people would do, they would bring the sacrifices for their sins to this gate, the east gate. Inside of the gate were the priests only, the ministers, okay? The ministers would take that bull or that lamb or that goat, and they would sacrifice it. And they would put it on that first contraption there. That's the bronze altar, okay? Every, this is called the outer court. You see the outer court there it says on there? This area in front of that second structure is called the outer court. In the outer court, everything was made of bronze. Why is that significance? Often, especially looking into the Old Testament, bronze is symbolic of the judgment of God. All right? So they would take the sacrifice and, and, and sacrifice it on the bronze altar, okay? And then they would wash themselves in the bronze laver right there, all right? Now, in the outer court, if you were outside of the tabernacle, all you'd be able to see is that place of sacrifice. So the outer court was the place of sacrifice, the place of God's judgment. Not a happy place. A bloody, messy a place of loss, okay? And you couldn't see beyond the outer court if you were outside, and even inside the gate, you couldn't see anything beyond the outer court, okay? Because the next place, the next um, section inside of the tent was called the holy place, but you couldn't see that, and this, this diagram doesn't have it covered so you can see inside, but this was all covered there was a, a, a curtain, a veil in front of the holy place. And only the priest could go into the holy place, all right? So the outer court was the place of God's judgment. It was the place of sacrifice. After the sacrifice is made, the priest would go into the holy place. Now in the holy place, everything was covered in gold, okay? The, the holy place was not the place of judgment, the holy place was the place where God's provision was made available because of the sacrifice. Okay, so the outer court was the place of the sacrifice, the place of judgment. But when you came into the holy place, you saw three things. You saw the table of showbread, you saw the candlestick, and you saw the altar of incense. The table of showbread was symbolic of healing. Jesus said the children's bread is healing in Matthew, right? 
So the healing is a provision of the sacrifice. You saw the candlestick. The candlestick was full of oil. It was the Holy Spirit, which was lit and on fire, right, and illuminating everything. How beautiful it must have been because the walls were all plated with gold. Everything was gold. And you had this, uh, I believe it was seven uh, candles that were illuminating everything, lit. And then you had the altar of incense. What is that? When you receive the Holy Spirit, your life becomes a fragrance of Christ unto God. Okay, so you had the outer court, which was the place of sacrifice. You had, then you entered into the holy place, which was the place of provision because of the sacrifice. But in the holy place, all you could see was the provision. You still couldn't see what you were really after, the presence of God. After the holy place was called the holy of holies. And that's what that second veil is for. And that's where God was, beyond that veil. And that was the goal. That was the reason for the sacrifice. That was the reason for the provision, to be in God's presence. All right? So it's very important. It's an amazing illustration and example that God gave to his people to show them his method of salvation through Christ. All right, let's see here. Let's get into some scriptures. Well, let's go into the Holy of Holies first. Okay. So the Holy of Holies was the place of his presence. And in the Holy of Holies, again, everything was covered in gold. Gold is symbolic of prosperity. Gold is symbolic of purity. Gold is symbolic of his presence, right? So in the Holy of Holies you got to enjoy the fellowship that was provided by the sacrifice. So you have the outer court, place of the sacrifice, the holy place, the provision provided by the sacrifice, and the holy of holies, his presence, which is enabled to be enjoyed because of the sacrifice. So the sacrifice will bring his provision and bring you into his presence, okay? All right, now, this holy of holies, I just, I like to try and imagine what it would have been like. But it must have been pretty amazing. But in the Holy of Holies, do you know what was in there? Any Indiana Jones fans? The Ark of the Covenant, right? That's what Indiana Jones was looking for, right? The Ark of the Covenant was in there. But what was in that ark under the lid, right? Well, the, the law was in there, but it was covered. There was a lid on it, right? And two angels above it. What was, so the law was inside of that covenant, I mean, that Ark of the Covenant, what was on top of the lid? A seat. What was it called? Do you know? The mercy seat. Mercy was above the law. Why is that? James chapter 2 says mercy triumphs over judgment. Right? God never wanted the law. God doesn't want to judge. He wants to justify. He's the same today. He's not looking to condemn anyone. He's looking to justify and to set free, right? So mercy triumphs over judgment. And what was above the mercy seat? The presence of God, right? And what would the priest do? He'd take the blood of the sacrifice. He'd put it on the mercy seat. And above that blood was the presence of God. Beautiful picture of what Jesus did, right? So let's take a closer look at this and, and, and in the ministry of Jesus. Let me make sure I didn't skip anything. Now, we're not gonna, there are so many details you could go into. It's just it's really powerful. But we're just looking at the basics, and we want to look at how this applies to us, okay? 
So let's go into the New Testament now. You can leave that uh, up here until we get the scripture up. So Jesus was the sacrifice that was brought to the gate. He was the Lamb of God, right? And he was sacrificed. He took the judgment of God upon himself. Whose judgment? Ours, right? So he was the sacrifice that enables us to receive the provision of God and experience the presence of God. So we live now in the holy of holies. We are not in the outer court anymore. We're not in a holy place anymore. We're in a holy of holies. His presence actually is in us. We're actually the tabernacle now. All right? So now, understanding this, now they, they, they went through this process for uh, almost 1,500 years. So this was something they were very familiar with. So here comes Jesus, all right? And let's go to Mark chapter 1. Here comes the sacrifice, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. And he's about 30 years old. We'll go to verse 9 of Mark chapter 1. And, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. That's John the Baptist. Verse 10, and straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove, God's presence, descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Is God pleased with you? Yes, he is. God is pleased with you, but I'm not Jesus. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of his son because you've put your faith in his son. You know that? Hallelujah. So when God looks at you, he says, I am well pleased with you. Verse 12. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast and the angels ministered unto him. Now, we won't go into this too in-depthly, but it's important to understand that Jesus fulfilled two roles. He was our substitute, but he was also our example. You don't want to confuse the two. Here he is our substitute. He's the Lamb of God. No one else could do what he did. You couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. He was the perfect sacrifice. So here he is operating as our substitute, and the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert to do battle with the enemy. And the reason I bring that up is sometimes people see that and say, well, I need to go into the desert and fast for 40 days. No, you don't. Jesus did that for you. Amen. All right? Now, he was our example in this, that when the, the, the tempter came to him, yeah. he showed us how to defeat him yeah. with the word. Right. right? He spoke the word to the devil. Right. It was through faith in the word that Jesus defeated the devil. Right. Isn't that great? He didn't have some special devil-beating weapon. Uh, he, it was the word. Same thing you have. So in that, he was our example, but he operates in this special role, this unique role of, of substitute, okay? And we're seeing that here. So he goes into the wilderness. The devil comes at him with everything he can, and Jesus wins, okay? And he's coming off that victory now. After John was put in prison in verse 14, he comes into Galilee victorious over Satan, and he begins preaching the good news. 
The, the, the good news, the gospel, it says there, we learned last week that word, I don't know how to say it, euangelion, but the good news, in other words, the, he began announcing good things about God. He just came off of victory. He saw God operating in his life. He saw that through simple faith in the word of his father, Satan couldn't harm him. And now he's announcing that same good news to us, right? So understand where he's coming from and what he's declaring, the good news of the kingdom of God. And, be, and he said what in the next verse, verse 15? The time is fulfilled. The time's fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. Wow. And then he gives instruction. He says, repent. But wait a minute. Remember what repent means? Change your thinking. Right? Not, not, not punish yourself. Not crawl up the stairs on your knees. He's saying, change your thinking. Change your purpose. Right? Replace bad thoughts with, with God's promises. Let his love for you be the purpose of your life and believe the good news. Believe these good things I'm proclaiming to you. That God is not a God of judgment, but justification. Right? God is not a God of hatred, a God of love. God is not a God of sickness, but healing. These are the things that Jesus began to do and to preach. He did three things primarily, teaching, preaching, and healing. That summarizes his ministry. The Living Bible says it this way at the end of verse 15. It says, act on this glorious news. Everything that needed to be done for you to be united with God has been done. Now, obviously, he's speaking prophetically to some degree because he hadn't gone to the cross yet, right? But the kingdom of God was at hand through simple faith in him. Okay, let me see here. So let's talk about the outer, outer core. Remember the out of court. It was the place of sacrifice. Jesus bore the judgment of God for us. You remember everything in the outer court was made of bronze, right? Symbolic of the judgment of God. Look what Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 14. John chapter 3, verse 14. And as Moses was lifted up, excuse me, and as Moses lifted up, the serpent in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, if you'll look back, we're not going to do it for now, in, in Numbers 21, you'll see what was that serpent made out of? Bronze, right? What was it symbolic of? The judgment of God, all right? He says, just as Moses lifted up that pole with a bronze serpent on it that symbolized God's judgment, so must I be lifted up. I'm going to bear God's judgment for the world. Okay? Verse 15, why would he do that? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have nonstop life. Now, you remember the definition of eternal life from Jesus in John 17, 3, right? To know him. To be united with him as a husband is united with his wife. Right? I'm going to bear God's judgment for all of your sins so that you can be united with God again. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Now, listen to this in John chapter 19, verse 30. Boy, this is so powerful. Jesus on the cross. Now, this is about three years after he declared the time is fulfilled. Now, he's actually gone through the scourging. 
His body's been marred more than any man, Isaiah said. Okay? And there he is, been hanging on the cross, and it's time for him to give up his spirit. When Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. That means his spirit. Now, interesting this term, it is finished. I don't know how to pronounce the Greek, teteleasio, I'm not sure. But it's an accounting term. That means paid in full. (laughs) Paid in full. What did he pay in full? Your debt. My debt. The debt of separation from him. Paid in full. The distance between heaven and earth was canceled when Jesus bowed his head. There's nothing separating us from God anymore. Paid in full. God looks at you, he says, paid in full. Paid in full. We're paid in full people. I'm believing God for debts to be paid in this body of believers in full in 2017. Every debt in Jesus' name. Paid in full. That's what you should say to your debt if you have any. Paid in full. Paid in full. Paid in full. In the name. It is finished. So that's the outer court. And he did it. Let's look at the holy place. You remember the holy place was the place of provision that was brought about because of the sacrifice. And you had three things in the holy place. You had the table of showbread. And incidentally, that was the bread that David ate. Remember when he was hungry? Well, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 26, there was a woman, prior to verse 26, there was a woman who came to Jesus' disciples and they, they told Jesus to send her away. She was crying out for her daughter, remember? For her daughter uh, was suffering terribly. And the, Jesus kept on going, and, and finally he stopped. And what he said to her is very powerful. He said, but he answered and said, uh, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What was this woman after? What did she want Healing for her daughter. What did Jesus call healing? The children's bread. The healing that you need for your body is the bread that God has given you. It's part of being his child. It's just a part of being his child. Healing is the children's bread. We're in the holy place, right? We've got the provision of God. We're eating Jesus is the bread of life, right? How this truth has been hidden from, from so many Christians. I, I, I forget what I just read the other day about someone, or talking with someone the other day, and they were, their, their wife was dealing with some disease, and they said, oh, it's just a part of living, just a part of getting older. And boy, and, and I knew that they were convinced of that. There's nothing I could say to change it. I tried, but it didn't work, Right? Now, if sickness had to do with getting older, why are children's hospitals so full? Has nothing to do with age. Has everything to do with what you believe. 
Don't ever buy into that garbage. Sickness is a part of getting older. It is not. Hallelujah. Even Moses, who was separated from God, wasn't born again, lived perfect strength for 120 years, didn't need glasses at 120. And that's in the old covenant under the law. And we're in the holy of holies. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes. So don't feel guilty or wonder, do I deserve to be healed or, oh, I'll just live with this. No, healing is the children's bread. Eat it. Be whole. Be whole. It's part of your inheritance. It's part of what God has provided for you as his child. And also in the holy place was the golden candlestick. And the oil inside of that candlestick and the illumination of it, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, verse 38. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's what we have now, right? We've received, that's because of the sacrifice, healing belongs to us. Because of the sacrifice, the Holy Spirit belongs to us. If you've put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is now living inside of you all the time. He'll never leave you. That might sound like a fantasy, but it's true. It's true in you. The Holy Spirit is permanently residing in you. So all you have to do to hear Him is just listen. And I see so many going through so many religious acts trying to hear from God, and it's really unbelief. Just listen. He's in here. He's not out there somewhere. He's inside of you. So just get alone with Him and listen. Meditate on His promises. As you meditate on His promises, His voice will become very clear. All right? Table of showbread, golden candlestick, the altar of incense, which just gave off this beautiful fragrance right before you went into His presence. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 say this, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. Verse 15, for we are... Whoop, let's go back there. Let's go back to verse 15, 2 Corinthians 2. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. There is every item in the holy place fulfilled through Christ. The time is fulfilled. It is finished. You're a fragrance of Christ unto God. You are pleasing to God. When you come into the room, God smiles. When your eyes open in the morning, God gets excited because he's been waiting all night to bless you. He's been working while you were sleeping. He's been working things out for you. He blesses his beloved even in their sleep. All right, and then we go into the Holy of Holies, and we'll finish up here. 
The holy of holies. This was the destination. This was the whole reason for the system of worship that was set up was to get into the presence of God. But in the old covenant, only one person could do it, the high priest, and only one time a year. And if he made a mistake, he'd drop dead because he was paper in the presence of fire. And they had, to pull, they had a rope around his waist, and they couldn't even go in to get him. They had to pull him out. It's pretty, pretty, pretty intense stuff. But Jesus because of his sacrifice now, has enabled us to live daily in the presence of God. Matthew 27, verse 50. After Jesus said, it is finished, remember that he bowed his head? He cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Verse 50, verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple. What veil was that? That was the second veil before the Holy of Holies. Now, after they, they got into the Promised Land, they actually built a temple, a heart of a, what am I talking about? A structure that stands by itself. It wasn't a tent anymore. It was a building, okay? They built it. And this veil that was between the holy place and the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom when Jesus declared it is finished, right? Now, what is that symbolic of, right? That there's nothing between us and God anymore. Jesus did it. That old system of worship is over. You don't have to do it anymore. You don't have to bring your bulls and goats and lambs anymore. You don't have to go through the outer court, through the holy place. You, now it's, it's just you and God your Father. Nothing between you and Him anymore. The time is fulfilled. Galatians chapter 3, we read this earlier, and now we're going to read it in the uh, message translation, says this, The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar, who escort children to school and protect them from danger or distraction, making sure the children really get to the place they set out for. That's why God gave the law, to protect them. He wanted them to get into his presence. Verse 25, but now you have arrived at your destination. Yes, we've arrived. We've arrived at our destination. God lives in us now. Verse 26, by faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. We don't need a tutor anymore. Holy Spirit's living in us, right? We don't need the schoolmaster anymore. We're in a direct relationship with God. Every child of God hears his voice. It's the mark, it's the badge of his sons and daughters. We're led by his spirit. You hear his voice. Start to say that. God, I thank you. I hear your voice. I hear your voice. I know your voice. I'm walking with you. Just start to say it, even if you don't believe it. Start saying it anyway. It's part of your inheritance. You hear his voice. Yes, you do. Start believing it. You're his child, aren't you? Do you believe you're his child? Or is this just a nice thing to say, to make us happy? You're his son and daughter. You're in his family, and you hear his voice, right? All right, last scripture. So this goal and destination, we've arrived. Our purpose for living the whole time was to be intimate with the one who made us. And I love how Paul sums it up here 
in verse three of uh, verse eight of chapter three of Philippians, he says, "Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply." and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving, recognizing, and understanding Him more fully and clearly. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him. That's what we're all about, right? So the time for you to personally experience God is here. You're qualified, you're justified, and it's time. It's time for you to hear his voice. It's time for you to receive his healing. It's time for you to be led by the Spirit in your life. It's time to let the fragrance of Christ rise up in your life. Okay? The time's here. Now, most Christians don't ever go past the outer court. Most Christians stop at the cross and exalt the cross. There are songs written about the cross. I'm not demeaning it. Thank God for the cross. But the cross is not the goal. It was never God's goal. It was the means to the goal. The cross was the method that God chose to bring us into his presence. So we don't cherish or we don't stop at, let me say it that way, We don't stop at the cross. We go into the holy of holies. That's what the cross was for. All right? So don't stop at the cross. That's where most of the body of Christ is. They've camped there, and they've not gone any further. At the cross, you can't see the gold that God has provided for you. You can't see it. You're you're all caught up in the blood and the, the judgment And that's why so many Christians live by the law instead of by love. You're caught up in the judgment of God, the law of God, the sins. You become sin conscious at the cross. But you can't stay there, right? You've got to see beyond the cross to the holy place, to the provision of God, to the prosperity and provision that God has provided for you, then come into his presence. You know, you can receive the provision of God without experiencing the presence of God. Some do that. They receive healing, but they never go further. The goal of, of the one, I've been able to walk in divine health for 20 years now or so, and it's been a blessing to me, but the greatest blessing was the intimacy that I've developed with Christ by standing on his word. That's why I wanted it. I wanted to know him in that way. So the treasure, the goal, the destination is intimacy with him, all right? That's what we're after. And all the provision and stuff that comes along with it is nice, but that's not our goal. All right? So don't stay at the cross. Don't stay at the provision. Come into the presence. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time in your presence, with your spirit, and with your word. You're great. Thank you for the cross. Thank you, God. For, for putting your son on the cross for us and pouring every 
ton, every pound, every ounce of judgment for all of our sins upon him at the cross. And Lord, thank you for the provision that's come about, the healing, the Holy Spirit, the fragrance of your knowledge in our lives that's come about for the cross. But most of all, Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you that we can come into your presence anytime, day or night, without shame, with boldness to receive whatever it is we need. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for your presence living inside of us. You've made us your tabernacle. We thank you, Lord, that we're your sons and daughters and we hear your voice. The time is fulfilled. 2017, year of fulfillment. Every promise has been stamped with your yes in Christ. And we say amen to the glory of God. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I lift up anyone here this morning who may be hearing this message online. Whatever needs they may have, whatever issues they're facing, Holy Spirit, I ask you to minister to everyone listening. Minister your life and love, your justification, your provision. Reveal Christ. Let everyone listening to this message know that you are the answer to every desire and dream, to every situation and circumstance. And I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.